welcome to Tea Time. This is a weekly pop culture podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Liz Kelly. I'm Kate Alwell. And I am Amelia Wedemeyer. And today, you guys, we... <laughs> it's a jam-packed episode. Today, we're talking about Gen Z versus Millennials. We're going to give you our June streaming recommendations. And we're going to dive into part one of Cringe Mode High School Musical. <laughs> Absolutely thrilling. Can't wait. Every time you hear the bell, we have to change topics. No matter how deep we're diving into the choreography of the Wildcats. But for now, let's spill the tea. All right, first category, Tea Time checks in with a feud that I didn't even know really existed until Kate and Amelia brought it to my attention. I believe it's happening on both Twitter and TikTok. This is the feud between... Gen Z and millennials. And just to refresh everyone, because I did have to Google it before we started the show, millennials are those who are born between 1980 and 1994. So they're like 26 to 40, roughly. And then Gen Z is born between 1995 and 2015. So they're currently 5 to 25. And it varies a lot. Yes, like I, I'm born in 95 and I've always considered myself a millennial. So we're going to talk about this because we're having some like identity crises yes. within this debate. So yeah. I'm surprised you didn't know about this, Liz, because you spend a lot of time on TikTok. And I do. Millennials just found out that Gen Z has been trying to cancel us on TikTok. <laughs> and not even really trying. They've really just been absolutely dragging us for filth. And so on June 13th, Maya Lepa posted a video saying she was tired of boomers bunching Gen Z and millennials together <laughs> because she didn't want to be associated with people who still think that Harry Potter movies are a personality trait. So. Yikes. <laughs> This led to a tweet by at local underscore celeb and said, uh, I'm awake at 3 a.m. and I need to know. I need everyone to know what Gen Z says about millennials on TikTok, which it's just a slew of savage comments. It says millennials will attack you if you disrespect their Harry Potter house. Uh, they'd be 34 talking about I'm a Hufflepuff, like grow up and do a line of coke already. <laughs> oh, my God. No, no punches pulled. Uh, They're worried about their Harry Potter house, but they live in a one bedroom apartment. Y'all worried about the wrong houses. (laughs) Listen, it's savage. I would love to live in a one bedroom apartment. I live. I don't even really have that. So (laughs) they're making some strong points. And yeah, they millennials just really got worked up about it. And I would like to talk about it because I think that we need to just be the bigger person. Yes, I have fun. I also saw on TikTok, there's these trends now where it says like, comment like a millennial. So then like all these teens will like comment and be like, this Ravenclaw can't even with adult team today. And like, (laughs) you, sir, have won the internet. And I'm like, oh my God, people do say that who are our age. I didn't even realize it was lame until they said it. And I was like, oh yeah, that's extremely lame. The adulting things are really tough. There's also a comment that goes, oh, I hate adulting. Just give me a slice of pizza and wine. Like, sis, Rebecca, you are 32 and an alcoholic. Please Oh, my God. Yikes. I also saw something where it's like they make up fake Instagram bios of millennials. And these are the worst because I think all three of us personally know people with some version of this bio (laughs) on their Instagram. So it'll be like Sarah Unicorn, like at adulting feminist. And it'll be like, I write words sometimes like Oberlin <laughs> class 15 unapologetic Hufflepuff dog mom hashtag times up hashtag girl boss. And I'm like, I know many people like that. <laughs> that one really hit me hard. Actually, <laughs> that one hit close to home. It hurt. It did. Um, Amelia, I know you have, <laughs> I know you have some opinions about why uh, Gen Z <sighs> should take a step back, 
Gen Z, love you. You guys are great. But and yeah, okay. Actually, I'm this someone who is a Hufflepuff, and I, I'm not proud. I'm not proud. It's embarrassing. When I got that result, I was like, "Oh, you've got to be fucking kidding me!" And I tried to take the test again, and it wouldn't let me take it again. So, not all of us are Hufflepuffs and proud. Just saying. I've gotten um, Slytherin like four times, and I can't get a rabbit. That is shocking. What's wrong? To me. That, that is, is shocking. shocking. That I'm is shocking. A Ravenclaw. I mean, I guess if we're outing ourselves. It's no, embarrassing. We're even talking about this and knowing our houses. We are the problem. I know oh my we are. god! But you know what? I will say this. The Paul brothers. You guys made the Paul brothers famous. So that's on you and your generation. True. That's true. There's no coming back from that. YouTubers are still just a mystifying uh, segment to me, which actually leads me to my next thing. So Liz's intro actually made it seem like I, born in January of 1995, am a Zoomer, as they Mm -hmm. say, and part of Gen Z, which was news to me. I knew that I was like a super, like the youngest of the millennials. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people born from like, you know, like 94 to like 97 or like, where am I? Like, what mm-hmm. generation do I fit into? <laughs> and obviously it's like life experience. Like it all varies on like, you know, where you were born, how you grew up, you know, race, class, et cetera. But there's this word called zillennials that has been making the rounds. And Liz sent us the Urban Dictionary definition today. And I just, I, this list applies to me like 90%. And I just, I don't know if I can call myself a millennial. I think that's too lame. Um, <laughs> but it says it's the last year of millennials and the first year of Gen Z with mixed traits of both generations. To me, this is like, you're just like trying to be cool with like the young kids. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm, I'm e- more easily can just accept being like lame and old. They were 2000s kids transitioned from teenagers to adults during the 2010s. So it's talking about like waiting at Barnes and Noble as kids for the Harry Potter books, which like, okay, back to Harry Potter, Um, a world before (laughs) social media was popularized, which is definitely true for me. It talks about like remembering when Cranked Up by Soldier Boy came out in 2007, which I absolutely do. Been there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Like the release of the first iPhone. It does say that Zillennials were too young to understand or remember 9-11, which does not apply to me. I definitely remember that. But yeah. I, I just think Zillennial is too lame. I don't like this applies to me, but I don't think I can. I can. I I'm going to go ahead and group myself in there because technically, Kate, the definition included the year of 1993, which is the year I was born. Oh, and does I refuse it? to become old, even though I am now. Okay, and so you're I want to be more Gen Z. Yeah. Also, okay. I think as we like wrap, like think about wrapping up this category, I want to say obviously there's no competition. Gen Z has done so much for social justice and gun reform and like mm-hmm. civil rights and everything. And they're so motivated and they've like used social media. They're a very powerful group of people. Obviously, we can't compete. Apparently, to them, we like avocado toast and dogs, which is lame, I guess, to them. <laughs> and we're dog moms, and we like wine. So, yeah, obviously, I- they win. But we can group together tonight. Against- Gen Z, this is a look at your future, yeah. though. I'm just saying. Like, True. Just it, wait five years. It'll all come into fruition. The trust moral me. here is that like we were all like, oh, the fucking boomers. And then the boomers right. were like, oh, millennials. And now we're like, oh, Gen Z. So like eventually <laughs> we all become lame and the kids all turn against us. So exactly. for now, we just need to unite against the boomers. We ruined OK Boomer for them. There's no going back from that. True. OK, next category is this week in social media slash not worth the tea. We're just grouping these all together. It's a modge podge of celeb news this week. But first... I want to give a shout out to Nick Cannon, who is an absolutely idyllic ex-husband. And God forbid, hope it just is a one-off for me. But if 
I get divorced, I want an ex-husband like Nick Cannon. Because he was interviewed by Variety and he ends up talking about his marriage with Mariah Carey. They were married from 2008 to 2016. They actually got married after less than two months of dating and just dove head first. We're married for a couple years. So it's pretty successful in Hollywood standards. Anyway, he's talking about this marriage and he said that it worked because he was comfortable with Mariah dominating the spotlight. And he said, I always used to see it work so well because it was a healthy balance. I had no problem falling back. It was never a competition with me. It was like, I'll turn mine off so she can turn hers on. I was comfortable in myself and who I was like, great. Love it. Also to be with Mariah Carey, you have to just take Mm, a backseat literally no other option. And then he goes on to say, my ego outside the house was grand, but in the house, it was healthy. I was there to support of whatever she wanted to do. I mean, it's Mariah Carey. How am I supposed (laughs) to be? She's one of the most talented women to ever be on this planet. I can't hold a candle to that woman. Just so sweet. I just love it. I know that they're on such good terms. I think they're both other people. It's been a while since they've been divorced. They have two children. They're now like nine or 10. Anyway, just Nick Cannon, really, really nice color on you to just be talking so nicely about my next wife. It's a good look. Also, great host of Mass Singer. <laughs> Just I couldn't go an episode without mentioning that. Yeah, okay. So, he was on so the Mass sorry. Singer. Good for <laughs> you, Nick Cannon. <laughs> okay, next one. Okay, in why is this happening news? Uh, Courtney Stodden, who is like an internet celebrity. She was on, I think, um, Big Brother UK, and she. When she was younger, she married this old actor guy. It was not a good situation. It was very predatory. Anyway, um, so we do not approve of that. But she has grown into, I think, a a more knowledgeable woman. And unfortunately, I don't think tabloids like understand that nuance, but whatever. Uh, but anyway, she was spotted on a lunch date with Megan Fox's soon-to-be ex-husband, Brian Austin Green, who was popular, I think, in the 90s with 90210, Beverly Hills 90210, maybe? I don't know. But uh, this is just, you know, no. Courtney, run away. (laughs) Run away from Brian Austin Green because he clearly likes to date the young people. And it just seems like she's going from one predatory relationship to another slightly predatory relationship because this guy got with Megan Fox when she was practically underage and it's just like it's like a pattern that I'm sensing right now and I just I don't approve you know I don't like this whole reporting of like their divorce anyway I don't like knowing about Megan Fox and what's his name Um, Machine Gun Kelly Machine Gun Kelly oh oh, yeah yeah, Machine Gun Kelly don't need to see Mm. them kissing in his convertible don't need to see these people going on dates in a pandemic and also it's just like I don't want to know anything about this relationship the less I know about all of that the happier I am the yes. better, truly. Um, but moving on to happier news, I guess it's almost technically hot girl summer again, <laughs> um, which brings me up. Did you like that transition? Um, I did. Thank you. Megan the Stallion, she debuted this beautiful rainbow hair. And it, it literally cascades from like purple to uh, an orange color to yellow to green to blue. And it's it's beautiful. It's on her Instagram. She also did it to match like uh, her eye makeup, which is really cool. I but, saw, yeah, this picture. She is like very coordinated. <laughs> and her outfit too. I'm like, oh, damn. Okay, well, I can barely... I mean, wow. Yeah, I I, I was on (laughs) Animal Crossing, as you guys know, and I bought this 
hairstyle changer thing because I was like, I'm going to try out a new hair color on my little avatar. And I changed it to like aqua hair. And I was like, I, I can't do it. This is too much for me. This is too Amelia, much. Would you ever dye your hair any color at all? I've done it once before, but I just like I'm lazy and scared. <laughs> so probably Guys, not anytime soon. That's fair. Speaking of rainbow hair, uh, we just saw Raven Simone got married today to uh. Miranda Madej. Well, she she didn't get married today, but she released the news of it today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Raven Simone also has, I think, I feel like maybe it's for Pride Month. Maybe mm-hmm. not. I, Raven's definitely is. I don't know about Megan Stallion, but a lot of rainbow braids and rainbow wigs going around. You love to see it. Mm-hmm. Happy really. Pride Month. Um, this is a, like a thing that this next piece of news makes me like physically uncomfortable. It like triggers some like fight or flight in me. But Cardi <laughs> B um, got her sternum pierced mm. and her chest pierced and she put it all over Instagram. She did like a series of posts. She's holding Offset's hand the whole time. The guy came into her home to do it. And she literally now has tattoos going from her sternum and it's three of them and they go up her chest. And I'm so squeamish about needles and piercings in general. Mm -hmm. I don't even think I could get like an eyebrow or nose. I don't even know where you go when you, like, where does the Is there enough skin? Like yes, I, I just I mean, feel it's like it's a common piercing, and she also had her uh, the earring she had, or not earring, I guess the um, piercing? what would you piercing she has right along her collarbone is old, like she's had it for a long time. Oh, okay. um, she just added to the collection, but yeah, I'm too squeamish. I can't imagine a needle anywhere close to that or my chest. It's just absolutely mind boggling. She's screaming the whole time, but dermal, <laughs> dermal piercings in general really freak me out, and I remember. In, I think, high school, I was on the volleyball team with a girl who got her hips pierced. Mm. And she got, like, dermal piercings in, in one. And you just, like, it's like there's, like, a barbell under the skin or something. Like, they don't go through oh. the skin like a regular piercing. Like, yeah, it, like, I know it's in. possible, but it just freaks me out. Right. Yeah. And I was, the like, body. <laughs> I just remember being, like, you're playing a sport where you're diving on the ground and you decide to pierce your hips. What and I like have heck? never been able ever since I like have never been able to deal with like any dermal piercings. It freaks me out. No, I, I can't do needles at also, all. But Cardi oh, yeah, B, needles. Cardi B is dealing with the pandemic in such an interesting way. She seems so bored and she has decided to decorate her entire body. She got tattoos all the way down her back, although we talked about uh, like either last episode or the episode before. Mm-hmm. And then she just updated her huge thigh tattoo and now she's piercing her chest. Yeah. Like and she's also doing her a lot. And being very vocal about what's going on right now at the Black Lives That's Matter true. movement. She's all up on Twitter calling out for yeah. reform. So she's busy. She's making she, the most yeah. out of her time. She really yeah. is. Certainly more than us. Yes. One last social media news update. Twitter has an update this week where you can do voice memos. So it's like posting a video to Twitter, but it like shows your avatar and there's like these little sound waves and you're just talking. And I know this is dumb as someone who's like, this is a talking platform like we're on a podcast and we're like oh voice memos are dumb but i think this update is really dumb thoughts so you can just post a video of yourself talking instead of tweeting that's what it is yes and it won't show you it's just your voice so like it's like the liz kelly twitter where like if you just (laughs) wanted people to hear your voice but you didn't want to actually write words and i understand like this could be good for people who are like differently able to like you know can't use like the usual functions for some reason like i understand that but like all the reasoning behind this update that i've seen like written from Twitter is just like, oh, we like thought it would be cool. And Mm. I just don't, I don't see that part of it. (laughs) Amelia, would you ever do this? Would you ever tweet your voice? I, I don't know. I maybe your impressions. Maybe. Oh, actually, you know, maybe I will do that. (laughs) 
<laughs> Wait, have you guys kept up with your TikTok account? Speaking of social media, I know Amelia, you had one. I had one, but I it's been it's been like a, a month since I've posted to it. We should get back in it. We're going to be in this quarantine for a, a long time. That's Me and Liz, should. Liz, you should post a TikTok. Yeah, I have them. I have the dances, but I don't think that's for public consumption. I don't. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to. Anyway, let's move on to the next category. Okay. Next category is Tea Time June streaming recommendations. This We have a lot, so we're going to go through them semi-quickly. But yeah, this is all the things you can watch during the month of June. Kate, go ahead. Or any month, really, but we're in June. Yes. Um, so The Bold Type. I've talked about it on this podcast before, mm. and I've come to you again because it's still good. It's like <laughs> my favorite escapist TV show. It's basically about... And it's like legitimately good. I'm going to say things that make it sure. sound like it's like hate viewing, but it's actually good. <laughs> But it's like these three women, they're working in the fashion industry and like magazines in New York. It's about female friendship. They wear cool clothes. It can be very silly, but like they have a lot of, you know, relationship problems and work problems. But it's just very uplifting. It reminds me of when I used to watch Pretty Little Liars because I like to watch like pretty people have drama Mm. and like be entertaining in cool clothes. And it's like the more adult version of that. Um, Okay. So yeah, it's good escapist viewing. Very uplifting. For this time, I'm pretty sure that I um, recommended Younger a while back, and I'm pretty sure yeah. no one took that recommendation. <laughs> it's you similar to Younger, and the bull type it feels like is in the same family, so I'm gonna stick with oh. mine. But I do know a lot of people who like the bull type. Um, okay, my first recommendation is Insecure. Season four just ended, and you should actually check out uh, the TV Concierge episode with Chris Ryan, Jordan Liggins, and Haley O'Shaughnessy. They did like a season four recap. Um, you can watch these on HBO. Season four is only 10 episodes, 30 minutes long, but all the other seasons are on HBO as well. I just want to give a shout out because I like genuinely think Issa Rae is the most charming person on television right yes. now. She is so charismatic yes. and can flirt and have like charisma and like this sexual tension with literally anyone that they put her with on that show. She's also extremely funny. It's one of the only shows where I like <laughs> laugh out loud and I don't yes. check my phone, which is rare because I have the attention span of a peanut. Um, anyway, I cannot recommend the show enough. And also it's just a good a glimpse at like being that age where like sometimes you just fuck up a little bit in your yeah. personal life with your friendships or your professional life. And you just like, don't do your best. And like, that's that. And yeah. I feel like that's so common and not really shown just kind of like being mediocre sometimes, like not sure. trying your hardest. And it's just very, it's a very, very good TV show. So highly recommend that. Um, next one. And also, if you don't have HBO, you can also go to Awkward Black Girl. You can type that in on YouTube or Google. And it's her web series, Issa Rae's web series, that is kind of like the launching pad to Insecure because there are mm-hmm. a lot of um, comparisons there. And it is... Don't buy Quibi. Just watch this series because it's short. It's so fucking funny. It's hilarious. Yes, that's the tea time recommendation. No Quibi. Just watch. Exactly. Okay, Um, next one. Okay, so this past, I think this past week, my dad and I started watching the two-part documentary series on epics called Laurel Canyon, which just kind of chronicles the music scene in the 1960s to Mm -hmm. early 1970s. And it was really, really interesting. I... Found out that I'm a huge Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young fan. Nice, Amelia. Thank you. Yeah, really, really excited. 
anything for me. Um, just, you know, it just, it's just like an interesting documentary about the time and about Laurel Canyon as a place. And they made a comparison to how, you know, like the Renaissance period in Italy and they made a comparison to something else, but I don't remember. Um, but it's just like, it was like the right group of people doing artistic, creative things. And it's a moment that probably will never be, you know, recreated in the same sense that was experienced then. But it's it's very it's very interesting. I highly recommend for people who are, you know, interested in that area of Los Angeles or just music. Um, mm-hmm. Another music doc that I recently watched was the Academy Award winning film. So there you go. Uh, 20 Feet from Stardom. I don't know if you guys have seen this. Have you seen this Mm-mm. movie? It's really good. It is about like the background singers. So they heavily feature this woman named Darlene Love. And she was part of a girl group in the 60s. And then she appeared on David Letterman a bunch. And you know the song, um, Baby, Please Come Home, the Christmas song? Of course. Mm-hmm. That's her. That's her. <laughs> but she was a background singer for a long time. And it just tells the story of all these women, predominantly black women, who sing, you know, vocals on some of like the most famous tracks like uh, Rolling Stone's Gimme Shelter. And it's just, it's an Mm. interesting story of these people who are, you know, do vocals for all these huge names, Bruce Springsteen, Sting, uh, Stevie Wonder, Ray Charles, but they're like in the background and you don't really hear from them a lot. So it's it's very interesting. Again, if you're a fan of music, which I I think everyone is, Mm -hmm. uh, I highly, highly recommend it. I hate recommending this next show right after you did that because that is actually a really <laughs> good recommendation and mine is trash. <laughs> we my need next- variety though. We yeah, need we variety. Do. My next June recommendation is Selling Sunset, you guys, which is trash for sure. <laughs> it's on Netflix and it's following the Oppenheim Group, which is a real estate company that's selling luxury homes in like Hollywood Hills, West Hollywood, Beverly Hills area. Um, And it's following all the agents and the two bosses, the Oppenheim twins. Um, (laughs) And again, it is trash. The women on it are (laughs) very plastic, kind of like the worst of LA. If you see them in a restaurant, I would like run in the other direction. (laughs) But the homes are beautiful. You don't get to see a lot of the homes that live up in the Hollywood Hills. It's just this like mystery place that it exists in Los Angeles, but like no one ventures to besides like, you know, the rich and cool and famous. So you get to see a lot of the different properties. Um, It's like a healthy mix of like houses and drama. Not a lot of like yelling, fighting. It's a little bit more catty um, than that. And all the girls, there's like two that I really like. The rest are, again, trash. But anyway, it's really enjoyable. (laughs) 30 minutes long. Um, Seasons one and two are on Netflix right now. And then season three is coming in very early August. And I'd recommend watching it with like a roommate or a friend you're quarantined with or significant other, whatever. Talking out loud throughout the show is very fun. And just like making fun of it on the spot is very cathartic. (laughs) And yes, that's my sell. Okay, next one. Oh, yes. Well, I I honestly like I will put that on my list. Uh, Amelia, you would really like it. The girls are nuts. Okay, (laughs) I'm watching it today. Okay, good. Okay, so there's another show that is actually on network TV. It's on ABC. It's called The Genetic Detective, but you can also watch it on Hulu. And it stars a woman named Cece Moore. And she is this uh, former actress slash singer who also is like, hey, I'm really good at math and genetics. And she just solves old crimes. She uses uh, genealogy to um, trace back like a killer's DNA and stuff. And, you know, she makes all those um, 
family trees and she traces everything down to um, the person whose DNA, you know, was found on the crime scene or whatever. And it's just, she's a badass. She's solving these long forgotten uh, cold cases. And it's just like, you know what, murderers, you can't get away with it because Cece Moore's <laughs> coming for you. Hell yeah. It's really good. That's a hell of a pitch. Um, next one I'm recommending, this is like a very packed category, uh, is a show called I May Destroy You. The first two episodes are on HBO right now. There's going to be 12 episodes total. If you want a very intelligent, thoughtful discussion on the show, Andy and Chris just covered it on The Watch. It, there's not enough time to really cover it. I'm just going to give you like quick sell. It is written and started by Michaela Cole, who you guys might have seen in Black Mirror or Chewing Gum, which was on Netflix a couple years ago, and it was since taken off. But really, really, really fucking talented woman. She's playing this woman named Arabella, and I May Destroy You is actually based on Michaela Cole's own experience with sexual assault. And basically the show, I've only watched the two episodes that are out now, but it seems as though the show is just going to follow her piecing together what happened the night where she went out and she was subsequently drugged and assaulted. Um, and so having said that, like, it seems like an extremely heavy watch and it is, it's a drama, but there are so many, there's a lot of comedy in it, first of all. And she's just so captivating to watch. It's not actually watching a show like Unbelievable, which I saw on Netflix, um, which has the same type of content, different situations. But yeah, she is just such an engaging watch and it's centered all around her. There's got a lot of great cast throughout the show. But anyway, Michaela Cole is so talented and makes the show worth watching. And again, she's very funny. Chewing Gum was a comedy. So there's just like a lot of pieces sprinkled out that makes it very engaging to watch. It's set in London. The music is fucking fantastic. It goes by really quickly as you watch it. There's a lot of modern London life. It's just really, really good. And I'd highly recommend that. Um, the next one, just whiplash this whole category. Really sorry we, for this We should have organized this better. <laughs> oh, God. Who wrote this outline? Certainly not us. Um, um, it's yeah. a movie on Netflix. Kate, you want to okay. intro that? So a lot of people have been talking about this. This is the most watched movie, according to like the bullshit Netflix stats that you get when yes. you open up Netflix. This <laughs> is the number one most watched thing right now on Netflix, <laughs> which is why we have to talk about it and tell you not to watch it. It's called 365 Days, and it's a Polish movie. Well, it was called a Polish Humpathon by Variety.com. Oh, wow. And it's basically a Polish Fifty Shades of Grey equivalent with yes. all of the really toxic, horrible relationship in tow. So it's about this woman. It's based on these books. It's about this woman who gets kidnapped by this mafia boss named like Massimo. <laughs> and he gives her 365 days to fall in love with him. And he just is like, I won't touch you until you ask me to, which of course is like a whole thing. Um, it's like <laughs> atrociously bad. Apparently he like exclusively calls her baby girl in oh. the movie. Which I'm curious if it's like a Polish baby girl. I didn't watch it. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but the point, the reason we're talking about this is because it is really blown up online and uh, TikTok has really run away with it as well. Yes, I can neither confirm nor deny if I saw this movie. I don't feel comfortable <laughs> disclosing that information, but it is very popular right now. But I will say it's popular on TikTok. And it's like, you guys should not be watching that movie if I feel like I can't be watching it. You certainly shouldn't be watching it. Um, it also has a 3.6 out of 10 on IMDb. And it's just, I think people are just interested because it's like, you know, yeah. 
it's what a, it it's is. a sexy film. It's a sexy yes. film. And there's also just a lot of problems with it. I haven't actually engaged in a lot of the content around this, <laughs> surrounding this movie because <laughs> I don't want to. But yes, it's very popular on TikTok. The teens are like using their fantastic editing skills to like jump in the movie and run away with this Italian mob boss. And yeah, like, people are really into the main guy. Yes, yes. Um, uh, for better or worse. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, don't watch it or don't, don't watch, watch it. Don't it's watch just it. trending on Netflix. That's what you'll see on your screen. Yeah. Um, yes. And then quickly, quickly wrapping up this category. This is for like three people two of which are me and Mallory Rubin. But for those of you who care and watched Outer Banks on Netflix, the two stars, Chase Stokes and Madeline Klein, are dating. It came out this week. They were dating on the show or like, you know, it was on and off, big romance on the show. Um, they're Instagram official guys, which means it's real. And they're both, they're the teens also thirst after them. Everyone's thirsting after these two people. They both have like matching lip fillers. Kind of cute. Um, anyway, <laughs> it's just, they're official. So if you guys cared about Outer Banks, there you go. There you go. Wow. Okay. A category we can't wait for. We're 30 minutes in and we're finally getting to it. <laughs> this is a cringe mode high school musical. I want to take you guys back to 2006, uh, wherever you may have been. Um, this was released on the Disney Channel. Absolutely blew up. It centers around Troy Bolton, played by Zac Efron, with a lot of hair on his head, <laughs> who's the star athlete. And then he falls for this nerdy mathlete named Gabriella Montez, who's played by Vanessa Hudgens. They meet on vacation New Year's Eve, and then they go to high school together. Centers around, you know, cool, the big game and the callback for the musical. How is this rewatching for you guys? I had a great time. Me too. Me too. Me too. <laughs> we were saying before this podcast that we started the bar solo for cringe mode with Twilight. And so yes. everything else we're rewatching, we're like, this is actually pretty good. Agreed. Um, admittedly, we're going to do the next two High School Musical movies after this. And I want to say that we chose to do this before the High School Musical 3 memes started going around. Yeah. Um, it's been for some reason on Twitter this week. A lot of people have been sharing stuff from High School Musical 3. But... And- Sharpay always first. trends for some, like every so month. She always trends. That's just her impact, you know? Her name's in everybody's mouth. <laughs> I realized that I actually have not seen any of these movies all the way through. Certainly hadn't seen wow. the first one. Not even the first one? Yeah, because you know what? I had the only image I have in my head of watching High School Musical is Zach Efron, and he's on a golf course kind of in the desert. Oh, and it's that's like the second one. Yes. Okay, great. Second I think I've one. seen parts of that one. But yeah, this is wow. a lovely watch for me. I don't know. I was living under a rock in 2006. I don't know what I, I mean, was doing. I was too. I'm just surprised you were. <laughs> I know. Okay. What are the highlights from this movie, you guys? Uh, I just want to say, you know, quick shout out to Chad Danforth, which is a great name. That's Corbin Blue's character. Also a great uh, name. Also yes. a great name. True. Um, his iconic graphic tees, which when I worked for Disney, just a little plug here, I wrote a, a mini article about how amazing his t-shirts are. Um, my favorite t-shirt of his is actually from the second movie where he wears a bright green shirt that says, I majored in vacation. But he also has really other great iconic t-shirts like Worship Waffles from the first yeah. movie. Yep. I come with my own background music from the first <laughs> movie. You know, he's just, he always brings more to the conversation. So that was very you, popular. The graphic tease. It was like gossip monkey or like, totally. I love gossip. <laughs> yeah. And I was like touting that in the eighth grade. Be like, yeah, you like that? Yeah. 
<laughs> we're going to get into the fashion later, but that is super relatable. The graphic tees were really in, like yes. with like the goofy slogans. Heck um, yeah. I want to say we've talked about like on recent podcasts and I think maybe like on TV concierge, like recent teen movies. We haven't liked how the adults have been done. Mm-hmm. So I want to give sure. a shout out to High School Musical for giving us the drama teacher. And I know Liz likes the uh, depiction of the basketball coach dad <laughs> because the adults, the drama teacher, especially I found hilarious, but like not in like a hello fellow kids way. Yes. Um, and there's also just a great audition scene. All the theater scenes in this are really good, but there's, I love a kooky audition scene when it's like all the people who like didn't make it trying to sing. Agreed. The song. They do that in pitch perfect as well. Yeah, the audition montage is absolutely crucial in like a singing movie. You got like the woman who comes in who sings opera. Then you have like the horrible tone deaf singer. Then you have like yes. the timid boy who comes and kind right. of mumbles his way. Interpretive dance. Right. But yes, quick shout out to the basketball coach, Coach Bolton, which is Troy's dad. Like you said, <laughs> they play the adult just by the book, like exactly how they're meant to be, which is Coach Bolden is like, come on, boys. We've got the big game on Friday. Get your head in the game and like pass that ball. And it's just so it's like stereotypical. Very, it's just, great. Not a lot of depth to them. We don't need it. You know, we want to no, focus on Zac Efron. Exactly. <laughs> I also loved this school. I don't know where this was shot. Just beautiful. My high school is not exactly like this. They had this rooftop garden that they go up on. There's this enormous two-story like cafeteria common ground space where they do a lot of group numbers. Um, They have like these big pillars with, I always picture this, like the audition signs everywhere. I always thought that was (laughs) such a classic high school, um, I was going to say high school musical, like movie thing. Right. Where you just sign up in writing. It's great. All of it's great. Um, Well, not all of it, I suppose. There's a lot of lowlights. Good segue. Should we go through that? Yes. Yeah. Um, You know, this isn't necessarily a lowlight, but just back to the Hello Fellow Kids kind of thing. It's like they definitely took this out of Ryan Murphy's book of what teens do. And it's Chad, <laughs> Chad Danforth again. Um, you watch, if you watch, watch this movie, it's on Disney Plus and take note of Chad because he literally in every single goddamn scene he's in, he is carrying around a basketball just to <laughs> let people know that he is a jock. He plays basketball. Basketball is his life. And it's, I don't, I mean, I, Jocks didn't do that at my school, but I don't Maybe they did at other schools. No, I don't the know. Lo- the logistics of that are impossible. Imagine being in bio exactly. lab and you've got gloves and like a little coat on and you're having right. basketball rolling around the floor. It's a fire hazard, first of <laughs> it all. Is. No teacher would allow that. Certainly not the theater teacher who in the first five minutes gives like seven kids detention for like right. pulling out their blackberries. Hardcore. It wouldn't have flown in these classrooms. No. no. I also one low light. I'm sorry. I feel like this is a balancing act of like we love the cheesy and then we also hate the cheesy parts mm-hmm. of this movie. Stick to the status quo. That song <laughs> did not do it for me. High School Musical has a lot of bangers, I will say. Stick to the mm-hmm. status quo, not one of them. They're in the cafeteria. You know, the athlete wants to bake creme brulee. The nerdy girl wants, like, loves hip-hop, wants to dance. And, like, the whatever. Skater dude wants to play the cello. And then yeah. the whole song is based on, like, you know, stick to what you know. You'll be cool if you do or whatever the hell. There's a lot of like sharp and flat notes that Sharpay has to sing. It just, it didn't do it for me, honestly. You know, Counterpoint, I really like that one. The one that I fast forward through every time and I did when I was watching this when I was younger is like the solo song Gabriella sings when Mm. she's like, oh, and she's like walking around the hallways really slowly. I don't think I've ever heard that song in its entirety. (laughs) I'm always like, nope, on to the next. Yeah. Yeah, there are a few skips on this soundtrack. 
But they're mostly good. Also, speaking of Gabriella, Vanessa Hudgens is just like too beautiful. And they let her be too beautiful to be. She calls herself the freaky smart girl. Mm-hmm. And she's afraid to be in this new school and be on the math, whatever, decathlon team. And she's like, I don't want to be like the nerdy girl again. I'm like, you are literally one of the most beautiful humans I've ever seen. Your hair is perfectly styled. You are very charming. She doesn't even like have social awkwardness issues. Like she immediately is like flirting with Troy. I'm like, like <laughs> this, you are the least believable nerdy girl I've ever seen in my life. Yes. I just don't also buy it. she pulled this off better than Debbie Ryan, but she has a bit of Debbie Ryan energy where she's like, who me? And like this little smile. And obviously she's way too beautiful to kind of like be that role. So they should have just put her in the spotlight from the get-go. She could still be smart, but be like, here I am. I am a star, whatever. Sharpay, not great. Um, What do you guys think has aged the best slash worst in this movie? Amelia shouted out the graphic tees, which was a great note. But I also, we have to talk about the other fashion. 2006 was a really tough time to revisit from a fashion standpoint. Not only like Troy's hair, which was just like the peak Justin Bieber, like bad long that was in though i had a big crush on a guy who had that exact haircut it was super in um and looking back that was really tough but i think the most offensive thing to me were two things one the tank tops why did we think every outfit needed a tank top like a long pulled down tank top every shirt we were like wait it needs a tank top and like pulled down so far do that i every day i did that every single day and I think, like, looking back, I was like, oh, that was just, like, me being dumb. But, like, the like Sharpay is wearing a tank top. And every yeah. scene under all of her, like, glittery things, I'm like, why? Why is Sharpay wearing a wig? I spent half yes. the movie staring at her head being like, Thank that's you. a lot of volume. Like, what? And then I was Googling it. And it's like, no, it's some fucking blonde thing they stuck on top of her head. The girl has blonde hair. I don't know where, like, extensions were at at this period of time in history. Maybe they weren't that like refined as they are now. Like, why? Why did they have to give her an I want to speak to the manager wig? I don't get it. It's awful. I couldn't stop looking at it. Yeah. Also, a lot of newsboy caps. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yes. The newsboy caps are egregious. There are like 15 of them in this movie. And she had like seven. Okay. Who are the MVPs of High School Musical? Um, I want to shout out Zac Efron because he was just a star in the making extraordinarily charming and I want to say I've always thought this but Zac Efron should exclusively do musicals for the rest of his career I wish he did musicals all the time wish he never did anything but musicals Mm -hmm. and he's dubbed in this movie it's not his vocals which is bullshit because we know he can sing we heard him sing in Hairspray the other two high school musical movies and The Greatest Showman so like he's great at musicals he is. I forgot about Hairspray. I love him in Hairspray. He's great. He, yeah, he's so he charming. I remember walking out of The Greatest Showman being like, that movie sucked, but like Zac Efron should do more musicals. Yeah, I don't and, like them all beefed up. Or now yeah. in the wilderness on Quibi, he's going to get killed. Right. Did Zac Efron ever die, almost die in the process of making a musical? I think not. I think not. Makes you think. Um, Amelia, who's your MVP? Um, honestly, the director slash choreographer. Kenny Ortega. He was directing and choreographing all the musical numbers. So, Kenny, congratulations. You have a hit on your hands and you milked it for all it's worth. Literally agreed. That's my answer as well. It's great call. This set a fire under Disney Channel's ass. The way that they propel this into its own empire is very impressive. There's three movies. Now we have the series, which 
Amelia liked to talk about. It's High School the Musical, the musical, the series. Um, it's been translated in every language. It went all over Disney worldwide. Um, there's like multiple spinoffs. You got Sharpay's Fabulous Adventure. Didn't catch that one. But there's like a sing-along reunion that they just did. And as we talked about earlier, it's like the memes and, the, and Ashley Tisdale still milking it. It's a real timeless classic, I feel like. Okay, last thing before we wrap up is best musical number. What do you want to shout out? Kate? Sharpay and Ryan have this role in this movie where, and this happens in a lot of musicals, it happens in Dreamgirls too, where like somebody takes a song that's supposed to be slow and emotional, they give it a beat, they add some choreo, and people are like, this is an abomination, it's the worst thing I've ever heard. And that's simply never the case. And it, it's not the case in this movie either. Sharpay and Ryan do a remix of whatever the song is that they sing, and I think it's a bop, and so is Bop to the Top. And <laughs> they're stars for a reason. And I just think they're unfairly maligned in this movie. Wow. I, okay. Okay. Sure. Um, <laughs> wow. Sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, well, okay. Coming off of that, I think I, you know what? Breaking Free is good. Okay. And all the other songs are at least very catchy. So Breaking thank Free you. is fucking great. Also, we're all in this together. Again, hadn't seen it, but I somehow knew the words. Which I don't know how I knew. It was <laughs> lodged somewhere in my in brain. brain. Literally, I don't know how that worked, but it's true. Um, so yeah, great number. So next week, we're doing Cringe Mode, High School Musical, the sequel. I guess I've seen one scene where Zac Efron's in a golf course, but it'll be fun. Watch it with us, and then I'm sure this category will be more interesting to you. <laughs> okay, wrapping up the episode, uh, we have from the teabag slash unanswerable questions. What do we have this week, Kate? Is Kristen Stewart as Princess Diana in the new Pablo Lorraine movie, inspired casting or insane? This is the director who did Jackie with Natalie Portman, which was obviously really well done, was really good. But Kristen Stewart and Princess Diana just, do, do they seem like they go together or no? Because I, you know, I support Kristen Stewart. And I think she's talented, but this to me seems literally insane. I agree. I don't know what this was. I agree. And I, I guess I haven't seen a Kristen Stewart movie where she like plays an absolute, I'm just fresh off a of cringe mode Twilight. But th- there's not a lot of content around Princess Diana. Like there's been not a lot of movies and stuff about her where actresses get to play her. And I just feel like Kristen Stewart, why? Why? I feel like there's a lot of other people. Like yeah. British talent. I don't know. Scope that right. out before you fucking <laughs> right. t- like cast her. I also am like, she was known for being exceedingly charming. And, like, a real people person. Mm. So, like, right off the bat, like, that's not Kristen Stewart. (laughs) Also, like, Kristen Stewart in a fake nose doing a British accent. Like, that, we think that's a good idea. Oh, my God. That's true. I cannot watch anything where a person, unless they're really good at it. It's really hard for me to watch a fake accent. Her British accent accent is good. There's no way. (laughs) Yeah, this is really tough casting. I think it's a misfire, but let me know if you, you like, see some part of it that you think could work, because I don't. Yeah, I have a friend who's, like, very pro it, and then everyone else I know is against it. Um, Okay, my question is, uh, (laughs) this is weird, and it's going to throw you guys for a loop, but what is your ideal clothing item that a celebrity could give you, like, off of their back that would, like, mean a lot? Or what is your ideal celebrity interaction if you'd go up to them? And the question comes from this week— a fan went up to Lady Gaga while she was on a date with her boyfriend. And I guess at that time and that moment didn't really know it was Lady Gaga. So she just is like, hey, you have a badass jacket. Like, I really like it. And then Lady Gaga goes like, oh, okay, thank you. And then I guess she realized, the woman realized that it was Lady Gaga. So she goes back up to her. 
and tells the story. And she says, my best friend back in high school was a huge fan of yours. And you're the reason he actually came out to me. His first five tattoos are dedicated to you. And my brother just recently came out to me too. So he wanted to thank you for being such an incredible ally. Really, really, really sweet. And Lady Gaga didn't want to pose for photos at the time, but she gave this woman the leather jacket off of her back and just was like, here, you loved my jacket. Now you can be a badass with it too. Like, here you go. And the woman walked off with a Lady Gaga jacket, which some fans would probably pay an absolute inordinate amount of money to have. But the fact that it was just such like a, a simple gesture is so, it's such a sweet interaction. She was on a date privately. She could have been like, bit of a bitch. She absolutely wasn't. And it reminds me of a time I went up to Frankie Muniz in a Houston's in a mall, tried to get a picture with him. He was such an asshole to me. I couldn't have been like more than seven years old. And if Frankie Muniz can give me that sass and Lady Gaga gives a fan a leather jacket, it feels like what is right in Hollywood. (laughs) You know what I mean? Celebrities are such a fickle thing. They really are. Um, so your question was, what would be your ideal clothing item for yeah, a celebrity like to give you? Harry Styles gives you his ring, or he gives you a lock of his hair, or something Ooh, weird because okay, you like him. Creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Please have some respect for me. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say I want to run into Rihanna coming mm-hmm. out of Ooh. a restaurant, yes. stolen wine glass in hand. <laughs> and I would like her to hand me the wine glass and hand me like whatever giant first stole she's wearing. I love and this. And just like, give me a wink and walk off. Oh, hey, that my was an God. inspired answer. That was fucking <laughs> great. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, my God. I can't. I can't come. Uh, no, you can't nothing. Top it. I don't know. I, I can't it's hard top to top it. Lady Gaga's leather jacket, honestly. <laughs> I know, right? That's Absolutely crazy. Great. All right, Amelia, finish this off. What's your question? Okay, so Ray J, who you might know from The Love of Ray J, uh, a great show that unfortunately is not on Hulu, even though they have every other celebrity dating show on there. Whatever, Hulu, bring back For the Love of Ray J. Anyway, Ray J and his soon-to-be ex-wife, Princess Love, are now being sued by the guy who found their lost dog, Bugatti, because they failed to pay the guy the $20,000 finder's fee. $20,000 to find their lost dog. That ain't right. Well, like, I'm not even worth $20,000, okay? Like, (laughs) my parents wouldn't even pay that much. Um, But my question is, how much money would you be willing to pay to get back your beloved pet. <laughs> That's Not cruel. Much. I feel like I'm going to expose myself and people, animal <laughs> lovers are going to come after me. I would pay. I don't have a sure. pet myself, so it's hard to right. say That's that connection true. I don't exactly have right now. I, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Is a finder's fee legally binding? Like, did he, they sign something that was like, if you find our dog, we have to pay $20,000? Like, I it seems know. like you could just say that. Yeah, but then what, you're such it. an asshole for just being like, oh, I know. and then the whole world goes on a yeah. search for your little dog. And then he's like, all right, thanks. <laughs> but like, it, it seems like he doesn't have the grounds to sue. I mean, people put shit on, on like bulletin boards all the time. True. That's true. That is true. I, I guess just being a good neighbor, you know? I mean, they should. <laughs> if they said they were going to, it seems like they have the funds for it, but... Next also, time Bugatti, Bugatti goes missing, who's going to come and find him? No one. <laughs> also, can we talk oh, about God. how Bugatti is spelled real quick? It's B-O-O-G-A-T-I. I kind of love that. It's cute. It is it pretty is funny. Cute. Actually, yeah. It's cute. It's pretty good. And he's alive. He's back. So thank oh, God. Good. That's, That's good. all that matters. Um, right. Okay. <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you to our lovely producer, Kaya. I'm Liz Kelly. I'm Kidawa. And I'm Amelia Wedemeyer. 